What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan, and today's episode is a takeaways episode. And if you're new here, what a takeaways episode is, is where I sit down and I talk to you about the most recent podcast episode of the week. And today, we're discussing my conversation with Josh Shapiro. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the full podcast yet, no worries. Josh is the founder of Baseball Lifestyle 101. And Baseball Lifestyle is a started out as an Instagram account back in 2013 when Josh was a sophomore in high school. He was only 15 years old when he started this account. And since then, it's snowballed, it's grown, and he launched a clothing line alongside this, this Instagram page. He's grown a business out of it. And it's a seven-figure business. He has a multi-million dollar business that he started in high school at the age of 15 years old that he just stayed consistent with, put a lot of time and a lot of effort into, and grew into a seven-figure business, all based around his passion of baseball. And I was lucky enough to sit down and talk with him for an hour and a half, and I've been trying to kind of squeeze in some behind-the-scenes stories of these podcasts or explain how these podcasts came to be. And this one was a similar one to Zach Honover, where I just, I think I got, I woke up one day to an email from Elliot Robinson, who's back episode number 92 and said, Hey Jacob, I think Josh would be a great guest for your podcast. He runs the Instagram, Instagram account, baseball lifestyle 101. And that was it. That was the introduction to Josh. And yeah, so I was like, of course. And I kind of looked, I didn't, I'd never heard of baseball lifestyle 101 before that, which I think is actually an interesting note in and of itself is that a lot of people are so worried about niching down. I know baseball is not the, the smallest niche in the world or niche, however you say it, but it's a seven figure business with over half a million followers on Instagram alone, not counting other platforms like TikTok and YouTube, but over 500,000 followers, multi-million dollar business. And I'd never even heard of it. So whatever your interest is, whatever your hobbies are, there's a way to turn that into a business. You don't need to attract every single customer. You just need to attract other people that share that interest. And a lot of people, when they get scared of having a, having a niche and being really targeted and focused instead of going after everyone, people get scared that it's not going to be enough people. But Josh is clearly proving that with his passion around specifically to baseball players, he's built a seven bigger business. I think that's just, I didn't have like, I usually have my takeaways written down. This wasn't even one of the takeaways I'd written down, but it's just crazy that I'd never even heard of this business before. And they're absolutely crushing it online. But yeah, so Elliot introduced me to Josh and Josh and I sat down to record a podcast and we sit down to record the interview at 3 PM was the time we were supposed to record. And I record typically using a program called Zencaster, which 99% of the time crushes it. It's so good. But today, or the day of this interview, Zencaster, I guess, decided to take some time off because it was just not working. And I thought for sure it was my Wi-Fi because I have suspect Wi-Fi, which one, in and of its own right, makes recording podcasts stressful because I just don't trust my Wi-Fi at all. So I thought it was my Wi-Fi at first. But because what happened was Zencaster one was taking about five minutes to load to get into the website, five minutes to load to open the call. So I was already late to the call because it took way long. It's usually like a two second thing. Literally took like five minutes to open up the get onto my dashboard, five minutes to get to the call. So I was already stressed that I was late and then it wasn't letting me record. 
And so I for sure thought it was my Wi-Fi that my Wi-Fi didn't have enough bandwidth or something to record. So I was like, okay, hold on. Let me, let me just refresh it. And then it refreshed. It got stuck in the refresh. So I literally reset my Wi-Fi, came back in. Josh, shout out to him for being so chill while I am literally panicking and trying to make all of this work so we can record the podcast. And yeah, so then I reset my Wi-Fi. Everything is running smooth. Like I was literally, I went to YouTube and I just dragged to a random video that was like a long video. I dragged to the middle of it so it didn't buffer to see how fast it would buffer. Loaded almost instantly, which is one just rare for my Wi-Fi on a good day. Um, so I knew it wasn't my Wi-Fi's fault. So then we ended up switching over to Zoom. The story doesn't have a purpose other than the fact that I'm 97 interviews in, 97 interviews of this podcast. Of course, not all of them have been online, but there are still things that go wrong all the time. I have a pretty dialed in process that works most of the time, but when it doesn't, I've got to troubleshoot pretty quickly. And this was one of, this was no exception. I had some issues. We were able to flip over to zoom. And again, big shout out to Josh for just being chill while I kind of figured everything out. But if you, I wish I recorded just myself, cause there was just pure panic while I was trying to set up this podcast in the moment we ended up recording, I think we were like 20 minutes, at least 20 minutes late into recording this podcast. But other than that, once we got rolling on zoom, I mean, zoom, of course, like I usually use Zencaster because it's just a better audio quality than zoom. Like there was some, you probably heard it. If you listen, there's some weird audio things where the audio just fluctuates up and down. I tried to balance it, balance it somewhat in post, but it still sounds off at different points. So I battled with that a little bit, but zoom for the most part held up really well. And we got a really good podcast. Like I really enjoyed my conversation with Josh. I think he's a really cool story around building a business around his passion, which I think is the goal for most people. If you could build a business around anything, if you could pick whatever you want your business to be about, you would probably pick it around something you're interested in. And Josh was able to do that around his life's passion been playing. And he said, literally, he said at the beginning of the podcast, he's pretty sure his first word was ball, like to play ball. And yeah, he's able to build an entire business around it, a really profitable business, profitable, a rev, high rev business, seven figures. Like I said, multi-million dollars. They did over, I think he said they did a million dollars in 2018, I believe. And they did, of course, a million dollars last year, more, more than a million dollars last year. So they are a very, a thriving business. And then the first place we're going to start though with that is the fact that the first place we're over, we're six minutes in here, but where I want to start the first real take, well, the first takeaway that I had written down was in terms of how well the business is doing. So like I said, Josh started when he was in 2013. So he was 15 years old. He was in high school and the business itself didn't actually start until 2017. Really? He, he, he registered the LLC and he kind of got everything set up at the at late 2016, but the business really didn't actually start until 2017. So, he started it in 2013 and didn't really start doing the business until 2017. And I think that's an important lesson. He didn't cash out. I don't know what cash out's not the right word. Um, he didn't try to monetize his followers. That is, he didn't try to monetize his followers too quickly. And granted, it's a big shout out to his business partner, Bill, who Josh initially wanted to create a business pretty quickly, which is a smart way to look at things, of course. But he wanted to monetize at about 5,000. 5,000 followers. And Bill kind of sat him down and explained to him that the financials of that just doesn't make sense. And he should just focus on building brand instead of trying to monetize his audience at that point. So that's what Josh did. And he did that for four years, four years without selling anything to his followers. 
right? And I think that's, again, I touched on this last last takeaways episode about how social media is a long, slow grind and a lot of people jump into it because they think it'd be a great way to make money, which it is once you get to that point, right? And Josh, like I said, four years before he turned his Instagram account into a business. Now he wasn't, it's not like he wasn't making money off of his Instagram. It was so popular at one point that he was able to, it was, it was so popular, still is really popular, but it was hit a point in high school where he was making enough money where he didn't have to work a real job because he was selling promo and sponsorship, which is awesome. He was able to buy his first and second car in cash, the entire car in cash in one day because of Instagram. Right. I think there's a fine distinction there between turning, monetizing your audience and creating a business and selling product to your followers. And there's, and then there's a difference between doing sponsorship with companies. And what Josh did too, that was, that was really smart when he would partner with the company. Oftentimes it's he, you partner with the company, they pay you, they give you product, you post about the product and you get the free product. But what Josh did with all this baseball gear that he was getting is he would take that product, take the money, and then he would just give the product away. He's rewarding his followers. When he gets a promo, most people, right? When, when most accounts get promos, like sometimes, not most, but it just feels, inauthentic. if it's done incorrectly, if these promos, these sponsorships feel inauthentic, right? Under, obviously understand everyone's got to cash a check at the end of the day. Everyone needs to, to have a roof over their head. But Josh used those opportunities to provide value for his audience. He was taking the value he was getting from the sponsorship. He was getting the money, but his, his followers were getting the product through giveaways. So he spent the first four years just building brand. And I think that's super smart. If you don't have that relationship with your followers, then when you try to monetize, it's not going to work because they don't have that connection with you. And like I said, four years is a long time. I've been doing this podcast for two years and that's twice, that's doing this podcast for another two years, right? That's just to put into context how, how long he did that for. And two years doing this podcast feels like a pretty long time. Like I think back to starting the show and I'm like, man, that feels like forever ago. And Josh did it for twice as long running his Instagram before he even, before he turned it into a business. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, but two years or four years doing Instagram and two years doing a podcast is different. True. But the way Josh handled his Instagram wasn't like a regular person handles Instagram. He was posting every hour on the hour for 12 hours, 12 a.m. to 12 p.m. Back to what we talked about in the last takeaways episode. It takes a lot of work to build something of this scale, right? Work just four years without monetizing and launching the business is a long time. But it was the amount of work that Josh put into it that allowed him to be successful. He hustled, he worked his ass off to get to this point. And I think too, another thing that he did that he did along the way to growing the account that I wanted to highlight here was this was back to when he first talked to Bill at 5,000 followers, said, hey, Bill, I want to start selling shirts or something. And Bill said, don't do that. Build brand instead. And he told Josh to make sure you're putting yourself on the account humanize the account, create a connection with your followers that way. People connect with people, right? So Josh could have ran the account anonymously. It could have just been baseball lifestyle 101, but by putting someone behind the account and an actual person, people can connect with that, especially if they can see themselves in you. If you're a similar 
demographic or your similar age, people can connect with that. And that's what Josh ended up doing with Baseball Lifestyle. He started putting himself on the account and becoming a personality behind the account. And that allowed people to connect with him and by extension, his company when that launched. Like he talked about when he went to the College World Series in 2018, he got swarmed by kids because they knew him off of the account. They had a connection not only to Baseball Lifestyle 101, but they had a connection to Josh, which made the connection with the company that much deeper. And I think that's something important that people need to, I think it's an important takeaway, not for individual creators, because more often than not, you're going to be visible on the account. But I think that's an interesting takeaway for brands, right? I think it's an interesting takeaway for brands, because if you can build up personalities within your company, that gives other touch points for people to connect with. With most, with, with most brands, people connect, it's hard to connect with a logo. It's hard to connect with letters of your company name. It's easier to connect with a person. So I think companies should focus on building up internal influencers to help connect with their audience better. That's one thing I'm noticing around companies like Barstool Sports is doing it. I'm noticing uh, Morning Brew is starting to do that. I think they're they're too, usually the, the typical place you see this happen within companies is within with the CEOs of the company, right? The CEOs, the co-founders, those are the face of the company, which is a great starting point, but I think it's gonna take more than that to, I think companies really need to build out more than just that because like to Josh's point, and this is what he's doing actually, this is another point we could talk about here, is what Josh is doing with with humanizing the account and putting a face to the face to the brand. Josh is realizing that while yes, he's done that and he's created this connection with his followers, he can't continue doing that. He can't grow on what he's done as a creator and the face of the brand to this point because he also has to run the business, right? And that's where within other companies, it's great that your CEO and your co-founders or your founder can represent the company, but you're getting other people to do that that can focus on that exclusively because the CEO or the founders have a business to run. They have other stuff to focus on versus if you can help create other internal influencers or faces of the company with other people, it allows them to focus on that more. And so I think that was just an interesting takeaway was one that back in 2013, 14, Bill was giving Josh that advice to make sure he's putting himself out there. And I think that's important, especially for, I think it's an important takeaway for brands specifically. And I think how Josh is continuing to navigate that 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 train of thought of humanizing the account but realizing it can't just be him and he's starting to build up additional influencers and faces of the company within his brand it's himself and now it's his best friend josh not josh up here a different josh who's the face of the company on tiktok and on youtube as well and they built up other personalities with other people's within the company so i think that's a really smart way to go and have multiple people within your company that represent it have multiple quote-unquote faces of the brand one People connect with different people. So if you have multiple people, it gives multiple play, multiple opportunities for people to connect with. And two, for example, say you have one face of your company. Say it's not your CEO, your founder. Say it's someone else that you have as the face of the company. If they leave, that's not good. Then, then people lose that connection to the company. Versus if you have multiple touch points, multiple people that represent your company, that's if one of them leaves, you still have a couple people left over. So I think it's an interesting way, an interesting opportunity for companies to create internal influencers. And I think it's interesting to see how Josh has done that and is going about navigating it more. So as he's realizing he has a lot on his plate running his business, he can't just be the face of the company as well. And I want to talk about too, kind of moving away from that. 
is I want to talk about, I think Josh did early on. And it was when he was growing, he said doing shouts for shouts and stuff. And he, the way he wrote it down, or way he, I wrote it down, the way he kind of put it was networking with other accounts your size. And that's a point I wanted to touch on here because I feel like a lot of people when they're just starting or when, when they're trying to grow an account, they're looking for collabs, they're looking for accounts that are a lot bigger than their own, right? You have a thousand followers, you want to work with an account that has 10,000 followers. And while that is possible, if you're able to provide that account or that person value in some way, but it's a harder thing to do versus networking or working with accounts of your size. And why that's a, why that makes sense is one, it's going to be easier to collab if you're both around a similar size. The value exchange is different if someone has 10x your following, right? What are they getting out of it versus what are you getting out of it? And if they're getting more, or if you're getting more out of it than they are, and you're asking, that's a difficult thing to pull off because one, they're getting, they're giving you more value, and two, when you ask, you lose the leverage. He who asks loses the leverage. So. Versus if you work with accounts of a similar size, so say you have 1,500 and count as 1,600 or 1,400, you work with accounts around that size because one, you're not to a point where a lot of your audiences will cross-pollinate or where they will be, will there be crossover between your audiences in the beginning? What I mean by that is people who follow you won't necessarily be following this person you're collaborating with. So if you find someone within your niche that's also small, you can work with them and exchange followers, right? If it's accounts that is within your niche that is similar to yours and is a smaller account, there's a good chance that not all their followers follow you, right? So by collaborating with someone in your account with your similar size, they might not have 10,000 followers, but they have 1,400 people that are interested in what your account is about that have never seen you before. And as an account with, we'll just say 15,000 or 1,500 followers, 1,400 new people is a lot of new people. That's almost twice your account size. You can almost double your account size. So a lot of people, I just wanted to highlight that a lot of people, when they think of collaborating to grow their account, they think of trying to find a big account that will collaborate with them. But there's a huge opportunity to collaborate with accounts in your niche or similar to your niche and of a similar size. And I just wanted to kind of throw that out there as an interesting thing, an important takeaway that I had from this podcast. And another thing in terms of growing an audience is email lists. The way I wrote down Josh's quote here, and it's, I mean, it's one I've heard before. I'm sure you've heard it as well, but it's, you own your email list. These social platforms can go away. I don't know what, I don't know how this is going to play out. So this podcast, I believe is going to drop on August 13th. I'm recording this on July 10th. So we'll see how the next month plays out. But right now the conversations are happening with banning TikTok in the U S banning a social platform gone. Can't use it over 300 million people cannot use that platform anymore already gone in India. That's what a billion people in India that can't use TikTok. I believe there's over a billion people in India. I'm pretty sure. But then another 300 million in the States, right? These platforms can go away. You own your email list. You don't own your TikTok followers. You don't own your Instagram followers, your YouTube subscribers. You own your email list. No matter what you own that list, unless someone unsubscribes, you can email them. So put some time in to grow an email list and foster that connection with your audience. Because if TikTok goes away, and I know people on TikTok with over 12, 13 million followers, if that platform goes away, that is 13 million people that they can't contact, they can't get in front of anymore as easily. Yes, you can in theory get in front of them other ways, but 
you lose those 13 million followers. And yes, you can move your followers around and you can get a couple hundred thousand on Instagram and a couple hundred thousand on YouTube. But then what happens if Instagram goes away? I don't think it will, but with we're seeing social media and politics start to cross over more, who knows what's going to happen? What happens if they ban Instagram next? Or, you know what I mean? So these platforms can go away. So make sure you're spending time to grow your email list because you own that list. With that list, you can upload it. Like we talked about, I talked about Josh, you can upload it to Facebook and retarget people. There's more than you can do than just email with an email list. And you own it. That's just the big, the biggest point is that you own it. So make sure you're spending time. And it's one platform a lot of people don't think of because email's hard. Email's really hard to grow. It's really hard to get right. But if you do, it can be huge. So I, I encourage you to try and grow or start just working on an email list, putting it together, start putting out consistent content regularly. What I'm doing with my email list right now, it's super basic. Once a month, every 30 days, because that's as much as I was willing to commit. Weekly doesn't work for me, but once a month right now, just to have an email list that I'm putting out there, I put out a, a email of the best things, I call it content caviar, and it's the best things I've consumed in the last 30 days. So the best podcasts, the best articles, the best YouTube videos, sometimes the best books, shows, whatever that I've watched in the last 30 days for people that, to help them kind of just cut through the noise because there's so much content out there. That's my newsletter in its current form. Does it change eventually? Probably, but that's where it's at right now. It's just so I can get my kind of get the ball slowly starting to roll on my email newsletter because I think it's important to be building your list. The last thing that I want to talk about here is the way I wrote it down is don't grow too fast, but that's not what I'm trying to say. I think here's actually the best way to the better way to explain is to focus on your MVP, not your most valuable, your minimum viable product. And so and that's again, not even the best way to explain it, but what I'm getting at here is in 2017, so Josh started the account 2013 In 2017, he started an, he started another account called lifestyle sports 101. And that was kind of baseball lifestyles, a t- um, move into talking about all sports. And they had a show where they talk about football and basketball, and of course, baseball and soccer and all the hockey, all these different sports. And it didn't, it didn't last very long. It kind of fizzled out. And I asked Josh about the account. What he was saying was, was that it was going well. They didn't stop it because it was it was a complete miss. It was going pretty well, but what they realized is they had so much left to do with baseball. They had so much left to do with baseball, so many more, so much more product they could create, so many more clothing items. There was just so much work to do that by trying to start lifestyle sports, they're taking away from baseball. They're trying to grow a second account that they think will work, and it looks like it's working, but they have a long way to go they have another four years to build up to what a baseball lifestyle was just comparing the timelines. They have four more years to go versus they could double down on baseball lifestyle, which is working and create, get more money that way, get more followers. And they, they have a formula, they have it down. They're owning that market or they could flip and try and, and try and grow sports lifestyle or lifestyle sports. And ultimately, like I said, they shut down lifestyle sports and they went all in on baseball lifestyle. They just reallocated that time. And that's just I think it's an important takeaway. If you have something that's working, yes, I think it's important to diversify, but don't try and split it 50-50 down the middle. 
at most do 80-20 to experiment. And as you gain momentum with whatever your second thing is, then I think you could reallocate kind of your division of labor. But like just back to my my example of my newsletter, I do this podcast every week and it takes a ton of time. I don't have time to be doing a newsletter every single week because that would require me to, at my current rate, to 4X my consumption of content, to then 4X my time writing those emails and grabbing the links and putting everything together. And I don't have that time to devote to my newsletter. Maybe as I go along and I start to realize that this newsletter is growing in the next year, two years, then maybe, not necessarily pulling away from my podcast, but maybe I pull time away from somewhere else to allocate into this newsletter. But right now it's not there. So focus on what's working. And right now my podcast is working. It's getting traction. Like I said, we've got the first, we got this awesome partnership with TrueFan. My YouTube's starting to gain some traction. We're getting more than six views a video, which is pretty much all I got for the first year. Five to 10 views per video max. There's still videos at the time of recording this that have zero views if you go back far enough in my YouTube channel. But now I'm starting to see videos with couple hundred views, a few thousand views. Of course, I have my anomaly video with Just Dustin, which has passed 450,000 views at the time of recording this. But what I'm saying is, is to just make sure, just stick with what you're working on. I think it's important to try a lot of things if you don't know what you want to do. But if you have a thing that you enjoy and you know you want to do and you know is working, don't try and do too much at once. Make sure you're focused, you focus your effort on your main thing instead of trying to split it 50 50 between a couple but between two things because you you have something that's working but you also want to do something else focus your effort and that's going to help you grow having a more narrow focus allows you to hit your target you can hit a target better with a sniper than with a shotgun i don't actually know i've never shot a gun before so that's probably a bad analogy i'm like it i'm gonna roll with it but uh on that note we're gonna i just want to we're gonna end today's podcast i want to thank you for listening whether you've listened the entire way through or you only listen to bits and pieces i really appreciate you taking the time to check this out do me a big favor guys go and follow josh on instagram he's at jshap 101 and if you really like if you'd like baseball i highly recommend you check out baseball underscore lifestyle 101 i'll make sure they're both linked in the show notes down below but definitely follow josh yes he's heavy into baseball but he's also super smart and a really good businessman and he's young 22 years old he's got a bright 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 future ahead of him so definitely check him out follow his company like i said i'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below if you like to follow me you can find me on twitter and instagram and at the jacob kelly feel free to come and say hello my dms are always open and also speaking of my dms let's talk about email make sure you subscribe to my newsletter content caviar i'll make sure it's linked in the show notes down below as well if you like to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at my social life podcast or YouTube by searching up my social life. If you enjoyed this takeaways episode of me just sitting here and ranting for the last 26 minutes, make sure to leave a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find this show and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. Also be sure to share this to your Instagram story, tag myself at the Jacob Kelly and I'll feature you on my account and send you a message of gratitude as well. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.